morning, Mission View. I don't know if you heard the shepherd's voice in that video. The shepherd said, ho. I don't know if you know what that means, but my thought is it means, come with me, slow down, stop. It means something like that. Shepherds, you know, they have ways of communicating. The sheep, they were listening, and you could see through the video, they responded. This morning, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture. It's from 1 Peter chapter 5, so you can maybe be thumbing through your Bible to find that. But this morning, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of things related to shepherds and sheep, and uh, I'd like to go through this together. You know, it's interesting because as you look at the Scriptures, you'll see a whole bunch of examples of shepherd and sheep used throughout Scripture, a significant amount. And today what we're going to do is we're going to look at a few of those, see how the Lord has used those illustrations and those examples in history, and see what those things really mean and how they apply to our lives. Um, when Claire was up here a little while ago, she had referenced a gentleman named John Maxwell. And it's interesting because I had uh, made some notes about just some things John Maxwell said about leadership. And I would also say that leadership kind of equates to shepherdship. You know, you have leaders and followers. You have shepherds and you have sheep. And so uh, one of the things that he talked about, and this is John Maxwell, he made a comment, he said, there's three qualities that leaders have that make them worth following. The first one was, do you care about me? Sheep don't follow shepherds that don't care about them, and people don't follow leaders that don't care about them. So the first one was, do you care about me? The next one was, can you help me? And you think about that, um, when a sheep follows a shepherd, he's trusting that that shepherd has his you know, best interests in mind and that there's some way that if I follow this shepherd that he could help me. But that's a quality that John Maxwell has said. Is he's studied leaders throughout, you know, it's his ministry I think right now probably is 40 years plus. But as he's looked at this, he said, people follow leaders that can help them. The third attribute though that stands out was and this is probably most important, was, can I trust you? Because I'm not going to follow somebody that I can't trust. So those three qualities are really most important as sheep follow shepherds and as we seek leadership in our own lives. As we look at this together, we're going to look at some portions of Scripture that I think are just uh, uh, most familiar to you. We just celebrated the Christmas season, and as we've celebrated the Christmas season, uh, there's a lot of the Christmas story that you have knowledge of in various uh, pieces, and I know one of the ones probably most familiar to you is Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 8 through 11. And this is a historical uh, representation of a shepherd and the role of shepherds in the Christmas story. Um, it says in the scripture, it says, and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that is for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. God saw fit to send angels to notify shepherds about the birth of the Savior of all mankind. I think they knew the shepherds would be available. They would be up. They would be responsible with that message and that they would respond to that message. But shepherds that were going about their 
daily task throughout history have been people that have been a great example for us. Next scripture, I think, that stands out that you're probably familiar with that deals with sheep and shepherds uh, is Isaiah 53, 6 through 7. This right here is an illustration of our, our lostness as individuals and our need for a Savior. In Isaiah 53, 6 through 7, the scripture reads to us, it says, all we like sheep have gone astray. And I pause there for just a moment. All we, all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Uh, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord laid on him, Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before him is, before its shears is silence, silent, so he opened not his mouth. Another illustration of how sheep have been used in Scripture and uh, a great truth for us. The third one, and I think if you've been here through the series that Steve's been preaching for first, through 1 first Peter, you'll maybe remember this one, but this was in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 25, that really references us back to the good, the good shepherd. And it said in 1 Peter 2, 25, you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your soul. Scripture, just full of examples of shepherds and sheep. Why do you think Scripture uses shepherds and sheep to teach us? Because they're illustrations we can understand. They're ones that apply. They're ones that can um, bring truth to light. And uh, so we're looking at this a little bit more. We're going to look today, as I had mentioned earlier, at 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And, um, you know, as we're at the end of the year right now, you'll see a significant amount of uh, articles and things in the papers related to the top lists for 2015, the things that have been most popular in 2015. Any of you read any of those? You know, the most, you know, the most popular phrases, the most popular TV programs, the most popular events that took place during the course of a year? Well, you know, it's interesting because if you're like me, you maybe have favorite words that you use over the course of time, and maybe it's your word of the year that you say all the time. But this year, I found myself saying significant, I mean, an, an awful lot this year. I've been saying the word shepherd, and I've been using it like a verb. And I would say things like, you know, we need to shepherd this project, or we need to shepherd this issue, or we need to shepherd that. And I've been saying it a lot, and I think it's important to me because I realize that we have responsibility to look out for, to care for. And... Um, if you ask my son what he thinks my favorite word is for the year, I think he would say it's consolidate. Uh, but that doesn't have any application to what we're doing today, son. So we're, uh, but we were cleaning the basement together, and I was using the word consolidate a lot. So anyway, um, today as we look at, at 1 Peter chapter 5, what you're going to find is in context of the Scripture, this is what the Scripture is really relating to. Steve set this up really well back when we first started 1 Peter. Um, Peter's writing to the church into the leadership of the church, into the church as a whole, saying, we're in some um, difficult times right now. There was a significant amount of tribulation in Rome and in the surrounding areas. And one of the things we learned about was we learned about the reign of Nero in Rome and how the culture or the, the, the climate of that time was very hostile towards Jews and toward Christians. One of the things that we learned at that time was that the Roman government and the Roman people were actually using Christians like tiki lamps or tiki torches. 
They were disposable. They were, they were people that were just not of any value or any worth uh, in that culture. And so you could see there was a great deal of hostility. So as Peter writes this letter to the church, the ride's pretty bumpy. It's a tough time. And he's saying, he's giving instructions to the church to say, be aware of all of these issues. These things are important. In chapter 5, Peter's speaking to the church and he's talking to them about leadership. And he's saying, if the church is going to remain viable and healthy, you're going to have to have these fundamentals in place to make sure that you function properly. It goes on and it talks about the elders of the church. And we'll go through this, but it really calls on the elders of the church to teach, lead, guard, guard purity, guard unity, to be examples, and handle the issues of the church, anything that would come up. Elders had to be vigilant, and that's what, what Peter was really encouraging the church to do, to be mindful of. So before we go in and read, start reading 1 Peter chapter 5, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and let's ask the Lord to teach us the things that he'd want us to know about this scripture and to apply it to our hearts. How about if you bow with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, as we bow before you, Lord, we, we know your word is powerful. We know that your word is truth. And we know that your word is applicable for, through the ages, Lord, to the early church in Rome and in the surrounding areas, and Lord, even here in our church here at Mission View. Father, I pray this morning that you'd speak to us through your word. I pray that you would encourage us through your word, instruct us, correct us, remind us of truth, challenge us and just teach us, Lord, the importance of shepherding your flock and our tendencies as sheep so that we can live in a manner that is just pleasing to you. Father, we just commit this time to you now in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna read this portion of scripture and if you'd follow along with me, and 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And this is what Peter wrote to the, the leaders of the church. He said, So I, exalt, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. The scripture teaches us about God a great deal here because it shows us that we have a God that's a God of order. He wants to create order in a church that functions properly. 
and he speaks through Peter to instruct the church that these things were important to survive through difficult times. We have a God that, that has, a, has a priority on accountability, the responsibility to protect the body, to provide for the body, and to care for the church. The scripture teaches as well here about the roles of elders to shepherd the church. Um, the elders here at Mission View are Steve Marshall, Todd LePage, Josh Chandler, and myself. As we serve as elders, we're willing, we're responsible, but we're not perfect. We're doing our best to care for God's, his church, his family, and his people. And we ask that you pray for us because as, as the road gets bumpy, not in our church, but in our culture, this is gonna be a more difficult challenge for us. And we ask that you pray for us that we make wise decisions and that we do work hard to pre uh, preserve unity, truth, that we protect the word of God, that, we, that we're strong in the midst of persecution. And we believe that you know, at some point there's gonna be increasing levels of persecution here domestically. Um, this scripture teaches about my role too, because although I'm an elder, I'm a sheep. And we look at this sometimes and we all have tendencies about us. We have tendencies to stray and to wonder. And we need each other. We need each other to help pull us back, to put us in the right, the right stead with the Lord. It teaches me about my circumstances as well. As we look at the scripture, I don't know if any of you felt like your problems, your worries, or your concerns were unique to you. But as much as we care about your worries, your problems, your anxieties, and your challenges, you're sharing those with others. Because there's, it says in the scripture that brotherhood across the globe, across the world, are all experiencing various challenges and frustrations and anxieties and so forth. So the point is, you're not alone. About my hope, this scripture teaches me about my hope. And it teaches me that my God, my shepherd, he cares for me. He cares for me. It's amazing to me, because I'll tell you what, I don't know how the God of all creation can know me, but he does. And he knows my worries before I even worry him. He knows my fears, and he responds to me. Pretty awesome. We're going to look at this on a more verse-by-verse -verse basis right now. We're going to break this up, and we're going to look at the shepherd, and we're going to look at the sheep, okay? So as we look at the shepherd, we're going to look at the characteristics of a shepherd. And when you look at the characteristics of a shepherd, uh, Scripture in, 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 John, in uh, 1 Peter 5, uh, 1, it says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Um, this, this portion of Scripture tells us that a shepherd needs to be proven, tested, experienced. They need to be engaged. They need to be a stakeholder. A stakeholder means, in, in my, in my uh, definition, is somebody who's invested. They can't walk away easily. They're invested. You've heard the principle or the statement like, they're all in? Well, that's what a stakeholder is. They're all in. And those are great qualities of a, of a shepherd. When you think about if you had a need for surgery, let's say you needed heart surgery, you'd want to go to a great surgeon. You wouldn't want to go to somebody who's, you know, somebody who's tested, somebody who's proven, somebody who's uh, well-trained. Um, you think about what a, what a surgeon goes through. You know, they sacrifice for years to learn and to study and to grow. They invest a lot of time and money to achieve their, 
their accomplishment, their, to be well prepared. You think about people that are coaches. You think about how coaches watch film and they study and they study and they study and they're around other good coaches so that they can learn. You think about teachers and, and, and I'm amazed, you know, when you think of a teacher's job, it's not just between, you know, eight o'clock and three o'clock. It runs preparation beforehand, grading afterward. I mean, they're, not only that, there's the preparation that goes into becoming a teacher. So there's a tremendous amount of, of time invested. You know, you think of a, a CEO, um, and I, I look at, you know, people that run companies and run businesses. Uh, they get the wins, yeah, but they get the losses that go with it as well. And those are, those are difficult things sometimes. I mean, everyone wants to win, nobody wants to lose. But when you're running a company, sometimes you see that, is that you get the brunt, you get the, the bad response. So, but to be proven and tested, you want somebody who's going to be leading a company who's been through difficult times before. I think of a policeman. I think of law enforcement officials, people that are protecting our, our community. And quite often, you know, I'm not sure if, you know, you think of Barney Fife had one, one bullet in his, his pocket. Um, I'm not sure how tested Barney was. But we have some policemen uh, and police women in our area who are very uh, tested and proven and prepared and ready to serve. And uh, those are the kind of people you want to follow. Those are the people you want to have in front of you. Those are the characteristics of a shepherd. We're going to look at the heart of a shepherd. Scripture says in, in the second verse here, it says, the shepherd the flock, shepherd the, uh, well, it says, shepherd the flock of God. So it talks to the elders, and it says, first command was shepherd the flock of God. And then it goes on to say in verse 2, um, that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. As we look at this, there's a willingness to being an elder or to being a shepherd. There's, you know, saying, I will do this willingly. You're not forcing me to do this. I will watch over the body of Christ willingly. The other part of it is selflessly. And this is a quality, you know, I don't know as you observe our culture today, but selfless isn't exactly a quality that stands out a lot in our culture. Uh, so much of what we see modeled around us is what's in it for me? What do I get out of this? It's, you know, it's really a tough culture when that becomes the prevailing way of responding. And we look at this, and in order to be a good shepherd, you have to be selfless. You have to be willing to lay your priorities aside to serve and care for others. The last one here is the principle of being responsible. And it's doing the right thing. And um, I look at that, and just, it's basically the attitude of saying, as a shepherd, you can count on me. You know, you can count on me to do the right thing at the right time. And those are qualities that stand out about the heart of a shepherd. The behavior of a shepherd, in verse 3, as you look forward with me, you'll see not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Um, not being a bully. And, you know, I don't know in any environment that you're in, but if you have to follow somebody, how do you respond to somebody who's a yeller? How do you respond to somebody that, you know, punches you in the head all the time? Um, are those people you like to be around, or are those people you kind of steer clear of? The uh, scripture tells us that a good shepherd is not a bully and is not a yeller, but they set an example. You know, they don't lead because they're, they have a charismatic personality, not because they're, you know, real effervescent or bubbly. They lead because they're genuine. They lead because they're real. 
They have a substance that runs deep. I was talking to a young man uh, probably about, I think it was maybe two months ago. Uh, and he was a, I, The reason I wanted to sit down with him was because he was what I would call a millennial. And I looked at him and I, I said, tell me what you think about the church. Tell me what's important to you about a ministry. And his comment to me was, first comment he said to me, he said, that your church is real and genuine. That you're real and genuine. That what, you know, there's a sincerity about you. A good shepherd is somebody of substance who's genuine, that has a sincerity about them. A walk that, um, you know, when people watch you, that your walk is infectious and that it's uh, imitatable. That's verse 3, talking about the behavior of a shepherd. The fourth, uh, ca- the fourth characteristic here of a shepherd is really the byproduct. What comes from a shepherd, a good shepherd's life, an effective shepherd's life? Uh, in verse 4 it says, And when the chief shepherd, God, appears, and you will receive the unfading, unfading crown of glory. And, um, and as I look at this, I just think the role of a shepherd is a role of... It's a role of worship, to be quite honest. When you do your job well as a shepherd or as an elder, you're worshiping the Lord. And I think sometimes we look at what worship is, and we, we come to the house of God, we come to the auditorium here to worship. And we worship here, and this, this morning, the worship was just sweet. And uh, thanks for, you know, to Josh for leading us this morning in worship. But the worship we have here extends beyond just this auditorium. It leaves here. It leaves here in us as we execute the responsibilities of life that God's given us. You know, there's a portion of Scripture in Revelations 4, 9 through 11 that talks about in the throne room of heaven. It talked about the 24 elders. Um, and John wrote this, and he was talking about when they are honored or when they receive their crowns uh, for their service, for their ministry, they look at them and they just take them and they throw them back at Jesus' feet kind of like Frisbees and say, you know, Lord, this was about you to begin with. This wasn't about me. It's worship. It's saying, Lord, any good thing that I've received from my ministry or from serving you really goes back to your feet because you were the creator of all. You were the sustainer of all. I would never have been able to do this without you. You recognize that it's worship. It becomes worship. Moving on, we're looking at just the role of the, the shepherd, we're looking at the role of the elders in the church. But as I've tried to explain a little bit more, that this role goes beyond, too, just the role of the church and the elders. And this also goes into the area of, you know, this is an example for you to emulate and to live out in your, in your sphere of influence. You look at it from the standpoint as parents, you know, are you a responsible shepherd as a parent? Think about the characteristics of, you know, what... what Peter said to the church about this is what it's going to take to keep this church healthy. Those same words, this is what it's going to take to keep your family healthy. This is what it's going to take to keep your workplace healthy. This is what it's going to take to keep your community healthy. Um, these same principles that are used to guide, protect, to unify the church can be used to guide, instruct, and unify your family. So as we look at this this goes beyond just, you know, sitting here and saying, oh, this is all just instructions to elders on how to govern the church. That's really the most important part of this, but it also gives us an example and an illustration of how this can be lived out in our own homes. 
We're moving on here, and we're looking at um, the next verse, verse 5. We're looking now at the sheep and what Peter says about the sheep. Now, if I were to call you a sheep, would you take that as a compliment? I think in our culture, and I've heard it said a lot of times, they're just a bunch of sheep. Sounds like a derogatory term, doesn't it? You know, you guys are nothing but sheep. But you know the reality of it is? We are nothing but sheep. And we'll look at this in Scripture here. In verse, in verse 5, um, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the, pr- the proud, but gives grace to the humble. In verse 5, it looks at, um, you know, well, in verse 1, it talks to the elders. And then in verse 5, you see that it says, you who are younger. Um, elders, shepherds, younger, sheep. We all fall in the category of sheep in, in many respects. But, you know, the one thing I would say here is I'd say, the qualities of sheep that, that we know and that we understand, um, you have to admit that we bear these qualities, these characteristics. And I know the one thing in Scripture here in verse 5 it talks about is it says, close, your, close yourself, all of you, with humility one toward another. Um, think about that. I wouldn't want to be called a sheep probably because of my pride. I'm better than a sheep. Scripture says, close yourself with humility. And so when you think about that, okay, when, I, when I'm humble and I realize who I really am, listen to some of these characteristics of a sheep. Um, you know, sheep are known for these, these particular qualities. They're easily lost. They're, they're, they, they wander away. They need to be led to food. They can't find it on their own. They're easily led astray by bad influences. You know, how many times in your life have you had, have you been maybe corrupted by people that were around you? Or maybe you were corrupting people around you, I don't know. But how many times is that, have you seen that happen? Sheep need to be protected, they're defenseless. You ever see anybody that did sheep fighting? They weren't like dog fighting, but sheep fighting? I don't think you would see sheep fighting. Sheep are way too passive. Sheep can't scratch, sheep can't kick, sheep can't bite, um, they can't jump, <laughs> and their, their run is very slow, let's just say. They're not, they're not fast, they're not known for being quick. They just stand and die. When sheep are attacked, you know what they do? <laughs> Truthfully, when, they, when, they, when sheep are attacked, what they do, they huddle together. So if you're on the outside ring of the sheep, you're the first one to get eaten. You know, if you're on the inside, that works for you. But eventually, the attacker's either going to get full or going to get to you. So anyway, those are qualities about sheep. They get dirty real easily. And it's amazing because I think when we think about sheep, you can think about little lambs and how cuddly and how beautiful they are. But those sheep grow up, or those lambs grow up to be sheep. And they have this really full coat, which can be very desirable for their wool, but that coat that they have is like, uh, it's like Velcro. Everything sticks to it. You know, once again, think about our own lives as sheep. You know, think of all the crap that sticks to us. Um, they have like this, apparently it's like an oil that comes out of their skin. It's like a lanolin that causes that wool to be tacky. So they get filthy. And sheep don't have the ability to clean themselves. So... The only way a sheep gets cleaned is by shearing it. 
just by giving it a, a buzz cut. And that's what cleans up a sheep. As a result of being kind of like a, a, um, a Velcro pad for all kinds of garbage, um, they're also prone to disease and infection. And you know, that's why they have to be maintained so much. So think about that analogy of us as sheep. Think about all the stuff we collect when we're out of here. And when we come together, you know, we encourage each other with God's word. We try to clean each other up a little bit so that we're a little bit more fluffy and a little bit less toxic so that we can go back out into a world and, and be more effective at what we're called to do. Um, but they're prone to disease. I think the other thing is, when you look at sheep, and we're going to look at something at the very end of our, our message today that will maybe give us a different perspective about why we need the good shepherd, but sheep will eat anything. If you put them in a field long enough, they'll start eating the grass down to the nubs, and then they'll start eating the dirt. They really can't distinguish. They'll just keep eating. These are qualities about sheep that obviously are um, ones that you realize they need guidance. They need, they need help. Um, scripture says in Isaiah 53, 6, as we move on, it talks about the, the fact that we're prone to wonder uh, we looked at ourselves in comparison to sheep. Um, think of just the characteristics we just discussed. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of similarities in what a sheep is like in our own lives. Let me ask you, as a sheep, have you ever wandered away? Have you ever strayed? Have you ever wandered away? Did anybody go looking for you? Did anybody come to find you if you wandered away? The reason I ask it is I just think specifically here at Mission View, God entrusts people to us. And when God entrusts people to us, we care about them. We want to get to know them. We want to know their names. We want to know their, their lives, you know, what's important to them. And what ends up happening is sometimes, and not often, but sometimes people won't be here the next week. And when it happens, what we try to do is we try to go looking for them. We're not trying to pester them. We just want to make sure that they're okay. And we want to make sure that if they left this pasture here at Mission View, that they went to another healthy pasture where they can be fed. I'd look at that and say, you know, we're not stalking people. What we're trying to do is we're trying to be good shepherds and care for people. And just to make sure that they're being watched out for, that they're being cared for, that they're being loved, that they're being encouraged. So that's a principle that you're going to find in any healthy church and we hope you find it here at Mission View. Um, moving on, we're going to look at the heart of a sheep. And this is one thing that stands out in verse 5. As we look at verse 5, it says, Close yourself, all of you, with humility toward one another. The heart of a sheep is a humble heart. And you think about it. Um, I'm not sure humility is a quality that gets really extolled as being phenomenal in our culture. Like, boy, that was the most humble person I ever met. Uh, I, don't, I don't hear that. We, we seem to be somehow gravitate toward people that are trash talkers and that are, that are cocky and that are really, uh, you know, you know they, they have that, that swagger about them. And uh, that's not something I think that God's word ever really extols as being a, you know, a good quality, you know, that they, were, they had a lot of swag. So sheep, good sheep are humble sheep. If I call you a sheep, we talked about it a little bit earlier, do you take it as a compliment? Um, I think one of the things, too, we find is that when the shepherd goes to look for the sheep, if someone just strays or wanders, and I'm thinking about just in our own culture, 
people sometimes look at it and say, um, leave me alone. My life is my life. It's none of your business. I'm going to do what I want to do. Scripture talks about a good sheep needs to be humble. If somebody ever comes looking for you and says, I'm worried about you or I'm concerned about you, take that for what it is. Be humble and look at them and say, thanks for caring for me. So those are qualities we want to make sure that, that stand out, and we want to make sure that we're people that do that. Um, scripture goes on in verse 5 and says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So if I'm going to be a sheep that God hears and that God cares for and that God loves, my humility is going to be something where he'll be receptive to me when I'm humble, but he'll oppose me when I'm proud. Moving on, we're looking at the, um, the behavior of a sheep. Other characteristics of a sheep is that they, they um, are easily distracted by worries and fears. Um, think about in your own life. You think you have it all balanced out, and then all of a sudden worry what about this? What about this? What about this? And before you know it, you've got yourself worked up to the point where you're just unconsolable. Sheep have that tendency. They're easily distracted by worries and fears. They need a shepherd around them to kind of pat them on the head, to pat their back, and to say, hey, it's going to be okay. Looking at verse 6, Scripture says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you. Verse 7 goes on and says, Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. The fact is, when we look at this, when we cast our anxieties upon the Lord, we're putting him in the right place. We're not weighting everyone else down with all the worries and cares of life. And we're saying, Lord, I trust you. I trust you that if I give you my cares, if I give you my worries, you'll take care of them. You'll provide comfort. You'll provide peace. You'll provide perspective for me. So we cast all of our anxieties upon him. In verse 8 and 9, there's a warning to the sheep. And this is a spot where, you know, as I studied the scripture, I'd say an area that really stood out was verse 8 and 9. You think Peter wrote to the church at a time when they were under persecution. And he was saying to them, this is what it's going to look like. It's going to be, the road's going to be bumpy. Matter of fact, it, it wasn't going to be bumpy. It was bumpy for them at that time. And I think that word at that time is extremely applicable to us here in 2015 going into 2016. Verse 8 says, Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Peter knew what was going on at the time, and he knew that it was a difficult time period. But I also submit to you that we're in a time period right now that is growing increasingly more difficult. Um, this, over the Christmas holidays, my, uh, my son-in-law, his parents came home from Nigeria, and... Um, is they're, um, you know, here in our country, they're missionaries. And it's, the, the, the perspective of a missionary is an interesting one because what happens is they go to a different culture and then periodically get the chance to come home. And when they come home, they see our culture a little bit more objectively than maybe we see in it. You know, think about your, your kids when they grow up. You know, you see them every day, you don't see them grow. Well, if you're in your culture every day, you don't see it change. And so I had a chance to talk to them about 
just, you know, what they were seeing here in our culture and what they were reading about in our culture. And their comments were, it's different than when we left it. It's changing. And one of the things that's changing about our culture is that um, as I look at how Christians are viewed in our culture, they're not viewed as favorably as they once were. I remember as a kid, you know, if you had a Christian work ethic, you were somebody that was going to get hired quickly because Christian work ethic is a good thing. If you had Christian values, that was something that was admirable. You would let your daughter date a young man that had Christian values. You know, these are things that were, <coughs> that were really important in our culture. They would talk about, you know, a, a teacher that you had at school. Well, she's a good Christian lady, and that would be something that would make you feel at ease. Today, when those terms get used, it's like, you know, that guy was a Jesus freak, or that guy was this, you know, a holy roller, or that guy was, I mean, whatever the, the term or the stereotype would be, you know, you've heard it. And so it's not viewed quite the way it used to be. But anyway, as we look at this, it was interesting to talk to them about just their perspective of our culture and how it's changed. If you look back over 2015, and I went through news article after news article after news article, I could just, you know, I could spend an hour here going through events that happened in our culture in 2015 that speak to what hap what's happening with Christians in our culture. And they're, and they're not written from a, necessarily a Christian a magazine's perspective. They're written, written from a cultural, like a more secular perspective. Um, but I believe we're seeing the early signs of persecution. I'm just going to run through a couple things, and these are just uh, things to think about. But um, steps of persecution in a culture um, talks about, you know, things like when you stereotype a targeted group. Uh, when Christians get stereotyped like they're all hypocrites or they're all something, uh, that is a, an early stage of of persecution, um, justifying hatred toward a group. Um, we've seen in our culture an awful lot of, of uh, animosity toward Christians developing, marginalizing Christians' role in society. You know, when we think about uh, our, found, our founding fathers as a nation and just the Christian principles and values that they had and how today in textbooks those things are being taken out and are being marginalized, being removed. It says a lot to us about how our culture is now viewing the Christian faith, followers of Christ. Criminalizing Christian, Christians, their churches, businesses, uh, educational institutions for holding on to Christian values. We've seen that this year in 2015. And then fifth and finally, outright persecution. We're not seeing as much of that yet, but we're seeing a lot of these other characteristics start to bubble and to develop. This is why it's so important for us as sheep to be sober-minded, as Scripture says here. Um, it says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour. Um, we just need to be attentive. We need to be aware. We don't need to be fearful, I can assure you that, but we need to be aware of what's going on around us. But the Scripture says in verse 9, 8 and 9, it says, uh, in verse 9 it goes on, it says, resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. This is what's interesting, because this kind of stuff has been going on all over the globe for years. And I think here in the United States, because we don't see it directly, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. We don't realize it. I think, you know, by seeing what we're seeing develop in our country, hopefully it gives us a softer heart for what's going on on a global basis as well. Because... Um, the, uh, the persecution is coming to our backyard. 
and it's been in other people's backyard for a long time. Looking further here, hope for the sheep, verse 10 goes on to say, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So even after you've suffered for a little while, and God can allow that to happen, that God will restore us, confirm us, and strengthen us. So hey, there's hope for the sheep. And the byproduct of all this, the byproduct of the sheep, is the fact that when I listen to the shepherd's voice, it's the same thing as it was for the elder. When the elder executed their responsibilities well, it was, a, it was an act of worship. When the sheep listen to the shepherd's voice and execute well and trust the Lord, it's also an act of worship. Why we need shepherds? I think the, um, the most important thing is to protect the, to protect the church. That's why shepherds are needed so desperately. Um, to protect the purity of the church. A church can be corrupted through uh, false doctrine. A church can be corrupted through, um, you know, just uh, selfishness or through um, just bad intentions, things that are going to be un unscriptural. But the church needs to be healthy. Uh, it needs to be united. We need to be fed God's word. That's one of the things I appreciate here at Mission View is the fact that, you know, we're going through God's word consistently. And uh, that's, the, uh, that's the focal point of our teaching. Um, we, churches, you know, we need shepherds to grow, and we need, we need shepherds to protect us as well. Um, in our lives, I think the most important thing would be is that we need, we need shepherds who know us, who care for us, and are selfless. Uh, one of the things that you heard referenced earlier in our, our service was you heard the principle of, or the, the opportunity of men of iron, and that's been promoted through our church. But it's really important that men have other men that can encourage them in their walk with Jesus Christ. So men of iron, Craig Wright is uh, heading this up for our ministry. It's important that if, if you have that need, and I think all of us have that need, that you seek out Craig or you seek out an opportunity to be involved in men of iron. I think another thing was the if tables that Sarah Mast is heading up. This is an opportunity as well that you can get connected with other women who can encourage you in your faith, encourage you in your walk, and can uh, sympathize and uh, strengthen you as well through life's challenges. That's why we need shepherds. That's why we need people around us that encourage us that way. Why we need sheep? Well, I'll tell you what. Is, is mission view, we need sheep because we need people to love, care for, serve, and to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ with. That's the primary reason. So... I just ask you as we kind of bring this a little bit to a close, um, who shepherds you? Who do you let shepherd you? And who are you shepherding? Are you shepherding anyone? The uh, reason we need a shepherd is because we have a Savior who's the good shepherd. And in Scripture, we just see the fact that um, when we wonder and are lost, we have uh, just no hope. But when we submit our lives to Jesus Christ, we have hope. You know, you think back to Isaiah 50. Let's go back to the uh, early part of our scripture that said, 
all we like sheep have gone astray. And as we look back at that, it tells what we were like in our lostness. And when you think about how we were in our lostness, it told us exactly the fact that when we're lost, we need a savior. And I would say this morning, if there's anyone here who hasn't given their life to Jesus Christ, if you would, come forward at the end, and, and uh, either myself or Steve, uh, we'd be happy to talk to you about what it means to give your life to Jesus Christ and to have him as your ultimate shepherd. And uh, we wouldn't want to leave without giving you that opportunity this morning. So uh, one thing I'd like to do is I'd like to just close our, our message with um, just one portion of Scripture that I think you've heard before. But I think in light of looking at the shepherd and looking at the sheep, I think it's important that we look at this in a little bit different light. Uh, many of you have read through and memorized the 23rd Psalm, but it talks about the Lord is my shepherd. And uh, I just ask you to sit back and listen to this in light of what you've learned about the shepherd and the sheep. In the 23rd Psalm it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall, dwell, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This portion of scripture means so much more to me after looking at 1 Peter chapter five. Hopefully as you look at the 23rd Psalm, it also means more to you as well, that the Lord is our shepherd. We have shepherds here within our church and our ministry as well that are responsible for this ministry and this church, but ultimately the Lord is our shepherd.